What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, for those of you that listen each and every single week, you know that Felony Friday focuses on exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. And for those of you that listen to Lines of Liberty all the time, you know that this is only one of three shows that we have here. Lines of Liberty is a bit of a variety show. In fact, it's a, it is a variety show. We start every week on Monday with a show hosted by Mark Clare. Mark interviews leaders in the Liberty Movement. He hosts roundtable discussions, which we call Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. Mark, this next upcoming Monday is hosting a debate, a debate with the candidates for chair of the Libertarian Party. So you don't want to miss that episode. On Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And Brian does a fantastic job, an entertaining job with uh, talking about the ideas of liberty and culture and bringing on different people to talk about these things. So check all these shows out. Make sure that you subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or TuneIn or or even on Spotify now. So check all those out. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. So on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you wake up, you look at your phone, and that episode is just sitting there waiting for you to listen on your drive to work or listen when you're, I don't know, cooking breakfast for your kids, whatever. Just subscribe. And one more quick thing before we get started here today, I want to let you guys know that we have switched our support group, our Lions Pride group, from Podbean to Patreon. So you, you can find that. You, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content, Degenerate Gamblers, Conspiracy Corner, all that good stuff. So be sure to sign up for that for five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen, twenty-five, and on. You could we do have one more spot left at the hundred dollar level. But obviously, the more that you uh donate per month, the more you're gonna get in return. So check that out. Patreon.com slash lines of liberty. This is the 124th episode of Felony Friday, so that means you'll be able to find the show notes page with links to notes with everything I'm going to talk about with my guest today at lionsofliberty.com slash FF124. And let me tell you, this is going to be a show with a lot of show notes, a lot of stuff to talk about, so you're definitely going to want to visit that page. We have, I think, four or five different stories we're going to hit on, and Of course, I could talk about these stories myself. I have in the past. I'm sure I will have solo shows in the future, but we kind of had a last-minute change here for today's show. Some things happened in the background, and I asked my good friend, Mark Clare, to come on the show and help out with Felony Friday, and you know what? He did. 
he uh, dropped everything, and here he is. So, Mark, welcome back to Felony Friday. Roar! That's what we do here, right? What show am I on again? We do, well, you, that's, what, that's what you do, I guess. Um, well, we all roar in our own way, but um, yeah, I'm happy. Well, I'm not happy. I'm not happy that you're in this predicament uh, where you needed me at the last minute, needed me to hop onto the show, but I am happy that we're on now, now that we are. I understand you even canceled, or <laughs> maybe not canceled, you delayed some evening plans to be here. Which, I had uh, some evening plans. I still have the evening plans. I just pushed them back about 30 minutes, so... Uh, Hopefully, uh, we keep this to about 30 minutes. That's <laughs> a, a gentleman right there, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Blair. Thank you, sir. Hey, as, as much as I love plans with um, various ladies, I do love, um, you know, I love talking about liberty, I guess, I guess even more. <laughs> well, that's what we're here to do today. We're here to talk about liberty. We're here to talk about felonies trending in the news. We might even play America's fastest growing game show, Is This a Crime? And Should They Do Time? Is it a crime? Should they do time? Or do you think they learned their lesson from a hefty fine? Is it a crime? Should they do time? And since we have to ask the question, is the system down or out of line? But really, with this episode of Felony Friday, we're going to focus on uh, some politicians. Some politicians doing maybe some shady things, some different things. Are they in the right? Are they in the wrong? And we're actually going to start off with a story that I know you're familiar with, Mark, because um, we talked about it before the show. It has to do with the governor of Missouri. Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm saying his name right. Is it Eric Greitens? Eric Greitens. You got it right. Oh, wow. See, I am better than Brian McWilliams. Well, I mean, that's a pretty low bar. Let's be honest. <laughs> Brian McWilliams said, Eric Greitens? Yeah, Eric Greitens, that's got to be it. Moving on. So, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong here. Governor Greitens, and you know more about this case than I do, as we discussed before the show, but Governor Greitens is accused of, or was accused, this case has now been thrown out, accused of taking a picture of a woman compromised in the nude without her consent, and then using that picture, uploading that picture, or uploading it with the intent of distributing that picture to other people. Well, I, I, I'm maybe you've read more than I have. I, I, I don't. I'm not aware that he's actually distributed it, or that anyone knows that the picture exists. Hmm. Go on. Which is probably why the charges have been dropped. <laughs> so, so where did this come from then? Well, she, this woman, I guess, accused him of of having this taken a picture and threatened her, saying, "I will release this picture if you say anything about what went on here." Um, that's what I understand about the case. And then now there's been talk about whether the picture was known to actually exist, and that's maybe why charges came up and why he was indicted. But now the charges have been dropped, so I, it remains a question, I guess, whether this picture actually exists or not. I don't know that it does or doesn't, but I mean, the, I, I, as far as I know, there's no actual picture that that is known to definitely exist or has been proven to exist. Well, that would explain why he's not <laughs> he's not uh, not getting convicted here and this is getting thrown out. So, I mean, are there I'm assuming there are people out there, liberals, um, maybe who think this ex- think this is true and um, want to hang this governor? 
Uh, I think, uh, well, it's it's probably similar. Well, in any ways, I would say to Trump, but probably to all politics, where if if people already hate the person or are already against the person, they're going to assume it's true and latch onto it and then kind of bite into it. And uh, if they already supported the person, it's it's somewhat likely they might just say, well, this is obviously nonsense and defend him. Uh, it's interesting about this, and not not so much in the crime element, but how it relates to. Uh, someone we're familiar with in um, Missouri politics. Um, so there's also a Senate race uh, going on there in Missouri, and um, there's a couple people involved in the Senate race, one of which is uh, Josh Howley, I believe his name is, and he is an opponent of Austin Peterson in the Missouri Republican primary to uh, try to unseat Claire McCaskill, who happens to live down the street from my sister, by the way. Uh, side note, that's why I know about this case, because I was out there in Missouri visiting my sister and my brother-in-law a few weeks ago, and we, we spent like an hour just talking about uh, this case. And uh, I guess Josh Howley, I should make sure I got that, that name right. I'm pretty sure it's right. That's, he that's came right. out. Well, I know and, that's one guy that Austin, that Austin Peterson yeah. is running against he, Josh Howley. Yeah. Correct. He is, I believe, the attorney general there. Yeah, he's the attorney general in yep. Missouri. And he he very quickly after this indictment came up through um, Greitens under the bus and said, like, he believes Greitens should resign, yada, yada, yada. So he and, and these are both Republicans. So he jumped against Bright Greitens uh, immediately. And uh, now it maybe he looks like he has egg on his face now, uh, political wise, because the charges have been dropped. This is actually something Austin Peterson called him out on in some of his ads. He said, you know, oh. Um, you know, Holly has turned against Greitens for political reasons when we don't know, even know that there's evidence on these charges and it's inappropriate as the attorney general. So there's a lot of interesting things here. Um, also, Greitens is actually he was very not that long ago, a Democrat and switched over to a Republican. So it's not a traditional Missouri's kind of a weird state. Um, it's it's a it's a, a mix of sort of conservative uh, so you might even say like blue dog Democrats that sort of interlap overlap with um, more traditional red Republicans, you might say. And um, it's just it's an interesting place where a, lo a lot of sort of uh, in the bigger cities, um, liberal politics sort of, uh, you know, takes the day. But most of the place is not bigger cities. Most of Missouri is the country. And uh, there is a lot of that, I guess, um, more of that red, you might say, if we're going to look at things in that term. So it's it's a it's a complicated, interesting uh, political situation. So essentially, it's a state of Trump voters. Uh, I wouldn't say it's that simple. No, I mean it, it's. I mean, no. They have a, a Democratic senator, Claire McCaskill. Um, it's. It's. I mean. Well, the, the, I mean, the, the reason I said that, and we're getting way off topic, but I don't really care, is that I mean, the, the way that I look at the prototypical Trump voter, or maybe maybe not prototypical, because he does get the, you know, the hardcore, living in the boonies, um, just diehard conservative voters, but he also gets these. Uh, like, like you, I guess, I mean, people call them blue dog Democrats. I guess that's the you know, the best, uh, most common way to, to, to refer to them. But in Trump himself was a Democrat. Um, and you just said that this uh, this governor also was a Democrat. So it's sort of that type of person who, you know, they're, they're probably for the Second Amendment, but they're also for government solutions to things. And they're not uh, not really for a, a small state. Yeah, I think I guess that when you put it that way, it is more of a fair analysis. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but it's very there's a lot of it's a lot of blurry lines, a lot of overlap. And I I think that the guy Greitens was running against or or one of his opponents. I am getting this a little bit mixed up as a few weeks ago we talked about this, but I, I believe he was running against a guy who was a Democrat or a Republican turned Democrat. So it's kind of it's kind of a place where you, where I think a lot of politicians uh, flip with the winds of the day, and they know that they can you know their their positions aren't necessarily that far apart. Uh, on a lot of things. It's just really more about what party and what side am I going to spin things to? What what side has the most political opportunity for me at this moment? 
And you have Austin Peterson, who, of course, flipped from libertarian to Republican running for the uh, the Senate seat. And have you seen his commercial where he calls out Josh Halley and he holds up the chicken at the end? Yeah, It's a little cheesy, but I laughed. It's cheesy, but I'll tell you what. Cheesy works. It tells me that Austin Peterson. Well, cheesy sometimes works, but it's it's a visual. I mean, every time I think of Josh Halley, I think of that chicken. I, I can't help myself. So he's, I think he's using some uh, some visual persuasion techniques out of the uh, out of the Trump handbook to uh, really have that stick to Josh Halley. We'll see if it works. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, but um, I, I guess criminal wise, we might want to just discuss like if this were true, <laughs> is it a crime? I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And and again, it's complicated because supposedly she was tied up and they took this picture. And if, if that's the case. If that was at all against her will, I think obviously it's very simple that um, that that would be a crime, the tying up. But I guess the the story was that it was basically part of a a sex act of some kind that may have actually been consensual or he, he kind of might have threatened her to. I, I believe the threat was if you leave now and don't like complete this act or whatever it was, I will release this picture I took is it was the the initial story behind the charges. Um, so obviously, I think. I mean, I, th- I think if that's the case, then it, it clearly is a crime. You're, you're threatening somebody, um, you know, to be to do something against their will and using it just the, the fact that you're using a picture against them to do so. If that were the case, uh, to, maybe that's not pure physical violence, but it's it's a threat to, to sort of force them to partake in a physical act that they might not want to. Again, if this story was true and, you know, since the charges are being dropped, I'm not going to presume it is true. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess this sort of sort of brings up that. uh revenge porn you know there's a lot of states right. are starting those revenge porn laws and i mean is it it would you consider it a crime if you know say the circumstances were that maybe it was a consensual uh interaction and a consensual uh, taking of the photo but just him sending the photos to other people do you think that would be a crime in any way um, with without her consent well, the photo itself—that's kind of a tough one. Um, that is actually a tough one. I, I guess, and in this case, it was just the one of the charges they were trying to look at was just proving it was uploaded to a server where it could be shared with people. So, like, if it were just automatically uploaded to his iCloud because his phone was synced that way, that would be a way they would pursue charges. But again, there's no picture known here because uh, from the what the person. Uh, who is just known as KS in the article here and in legal filings has just said she heard the sound of a click and and heard a flash. And then he said, I would threaten this photo, but she was supposedly blindfolded uh, at the time now. um, But to go back to your question, if it was just, you mean, is it a crime? Just the photo part or I mean, yeah, just taking the photo. And then, so he has the photo in in his possession. And then if he were to, to send that to someone else, against you know with this with this woman who he took the photo was taken consensually but the sharing of the photo is not consensual if that makes sense <sighs> you know i don't want to jump to one. i don't want to jump to a conclusion on that because i don't want uh, roger paxton to hear this and yell at me i was just gonna say because <laughs> <laughs> i mean it does bring into an issue of like the the, uh, the concept of intellectual property like my instinct is to say yes it's wrong okay but that's not what we're necessarily talking yeah. about in the show is something wrong is it a quote-unquote dick move <laughs> you know i would say it's a dick move um if, if the photo was consented to it's hard for me to say it's a crime to simply share it. Um, it obviously, in this case, uh, the charge is that it was not consented to. But just to go to that whole revenge porn thing, uh, I, I got to think if you're going to consent to a photo, you shouldn't consent to the photo if you don't want to share with anybody. That That's just my my kind of initial 
trying to filter this through the libertarian is it a crime process. My gut instinct is is more just like, yeah, you can't do that. That's messed up. You know, but not everything messed up is a crime. Not in the libertarian yeah, I, sense. I, I, I don't think there's a. Uh... I don't think there's a role a role for criminal courts in something like that. If if that does happen and it is damaging to someone's you know career or or something of that nature, um, then it, and you can prove it that they did this to to harm you. Take them to civil court. I mean, I I don't see why that can't why, why that can't be an avenue for to get restitution and to recover any damages against the, the individual. I don't know. I, I just don't think there's a role for criminal courts and something like that. But no, I would agree. But if, if what the initial charges uh, were saying is true, that she was bound and blindfolded true. and told, like, you can't leave. And, you know, if you if you don't do this, I'm going to disseminate the photo. Then I would say that's, you know, probably closer to a crime. <laughs> and especially uh, there's also charges of her being slapped and shoved and threatened and yada, yada. Of course, that stuff is clearly a crime, if true. I would say that's definitely a crime. Unless she consented to it. I mean, it's, uh, some people are into some kinky shit. And, you know, you might it, it does. I mean, I'm sort of joking, but it does bring up an interesting question. Like, say some people are, are are participating in a sexual encounter that they consent to. And a woman says, slap me. I want to be slapped. Hit me. I want to be hit. And the, the person does it. And then later they might say, well, I was slapped. I was beaten. And they might even have bruises to show it. That could be a, a really tricky situation where they consented, but they do have evidence of, you know, of uh, of the abuse or I guess it wouldn't be called abuse if they consented, but of uh, a violent act. Um, I would say if they consented, then no. But, you know, that could even within that case, it could be a blurry line, because what if they consent to being slapped, but they get slapped so hard and it breaks their jaw and that's not what they meant by slapped. <laughs> so, you know, it could, it could get it could get nutty. We don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com. Once again, that is conversationmattime.com. It's, I mean, to talk about another attorney general doing some, uh, some probably some pretty bad and evil things. This um, Eric Schneiderman, am I saying his name right? From from New York, uh, New York's attorney general. That sounds about and right. And the <laughs> accusations that came out against him last week. It's probably Schneiderman, was, not Schneiderman, but yeah, okay. Schneiderman. Like <laughs> Schneiderman. <laughs> but there were, I think, four women that came forward. And I think he was in a relationship or at least dating all four of the women in you know, sexual relationships. And they each of them esca- escalated to this choking and hitting and, you know, saying nasty, mean things to them and just treating them like shit. And maybe at the time they and, you know, I really am not going to lie. I haven't followed this case that closely. I just pulled up in front of me now. But maybe at the time they were consenting just so they weren't harmed further i mean so you, you know what i mean like a, a woman could consent if they're afraid for their life that if they don't say it's okay that 
you know, they might end up dead. Right. I mean, and we could also relate this to uh, Juanita Broderick with the, the Bill Clinton incident when, when Bill Clinton raped her. Well, I'm not saying Juanita Broderick consented to that, but after it happened, I mean, the reason she didn't come forward is because she's afraid she did. The Clintons are going to kill her, essentially. Right. Well, and because the culture at the time would often see a woman inviting a man into her hotel room as consent. So anything that happened afterwards, culturally, um, it, like and you guys talked about this in the interview, that was kind of seen as consent. Well, why did you invite him into your hotel room if you don't want to you know, have participate in a sexual act? Right. Which is obviously a messed up uh, thought, but you know that that really was the culture in many ways in the sixties and seventies when that um, allegedly take place. I will say that was really the culture until, and I'm not laughing at it. It's terrible sometimes when it's uh, something's really bad. I laugh, which yeah, isn't a I good. It's not thing. a good trait. I should probably stop that. <laughs> I do the same but, thing. So, so that's why we. I think that's why we laugh a lot on all our shows because I have that same quality. We're always talking about tragic shit. That's why we're libertarians. That's why we're passionate about that that this stuff because we see so much tragedy in the world. But we try to take a lighthearted take on things because, a, I think that's just a, a, a necessary response uh, mechanism. But also, you know. Even though we're talking about often a lot of tragic, terrible things, we want people to enjoy listening to the show, and we don't want to just be uh, morose MFers the whole time. Exactly. Not that there's anything wrong with morose MFers. I like listening to them, too, sometimes. Nothing True. wrong with that. True. So we'll we'll keep moving on here, and I do want to talk about – so this is a story that I think I actually – I don't think I covered it during – the Felony Friday podcast. I think I wrote about this uh, California Senator Leland Yee. I think when I was writing my uh, column, uh, Felony Friday, every oh, Friday yeah. before I, I started the, the podcast. So this has been going on for a while. So this California uh, governor, his entire California, this California state senator, Leland, Leland Yee, um, he was very anti-gun. You know, his whole time in politics, very much. Let's put anti-gun open. in quotes for everybody at home. <laughs> he was very politically anti-gun, but clearly, as as you'll hear, he wasn't really politically anti-gun. But maybe he was. It was tactical to be politically anti-gun to help what he was doing behind the scenes, which was running guns. You know, he, he was he was uh, buying and selling guns on the black market. So maybe in a way, by supporting these anti-gun this anti-gun legislation, it was boosting his own business. Because as we know. With all prohibitions, when you push things into the back alleys, there's more risk, there's more uh, nefarious behavior, there's more violence, and with that comes a higher price. The market raises the price up, and there's a higher reward for the uh, the items being uh, traded, uh, tra- the, the items being um, sold between two consenting people. So maybe he's a was trying to boost his own business. Probably not. He was probably just trying to boost his own political career and. I think your your theory uh, makes perfect sense because without making lots of guns illegal, as Leland Yee, the politician, certainly wanted to do, where where is his illegal arms business? It's nowhere. So you need illegal arms to run an illegal arms business, which is apparently what he was doing on the side this whole time because I guess being a California state senator just doesn't really pay the bills up there in San Francisco, which admittedly it probably doesn't, but uh, he probably did need to all, get a, yeah. he probably did need to get a side hustle going, but he decided not to start a podcast. He decided instead to go into the illegal arms trade. So I want to read a quote here. From Leland Yee, he told this to CBS. This was two years or two years prior to his arrest. He said, "It is extremely important that individuals in the state of California do not own assault weapons." I mean, that is just so crystal clear. There is no debate, 
no discussion. So this guy, two years before he's arrested, I'm sure says this, and that night, that same week, he's going and he's selling guns on the black market. Just the epitome of a slimeball politician using his power, using his uh, control in order to influence policy, in order to help his own uh, nefarious black market dealings. Just true scum of the earth. No matter who you are, this guy's a scumbag. If you're pro-gun like us, he's a scumbag. Uh, if you're anti-gun, he's a scumbag because you know he was a hypocrite and and went around selling illegal guns. So I think almost everyone on the political map should be able to agree that Lean Lin Yi is a scumbag. So should we really start to question these anti-gun people as being black market gun dealers? Is that I mean, is that really? We should probably that should probably be the number one tactic. <laughs> oh, so I guess you're just selling guns for the black market too, huh? I see what's going on here. You're not going to trick me. You're selling guns in the black market. You got yeah, you figured out. It's the same thing for like all the little, the little old church ladies who are against marijuana and against legalizing drugs. All They're the ones selling the drugs. <laughs> Those church ladies are taking pot brownies in the back and selling them illegally in the alleys in the, in the four states where pot's still illegal. Probably. We're on to you, church ladies. We're on to you. And I know you listen to Felony Friday, too. All you church ladies out there. <laughs> Okay, this this next one here, I want to talk about a an ex-Chipotle manager accused of stealing $626, but he gets $8 million for wrongful termination. So the headline pretty much says it all. This guy was accused of stealing $600. This was back in 2015, and he was accused of stealing it from a safe, and this was in uh, in Fresno. So they claim they caught the theft on camera, but... Before being fired, she was never shown the video. They just said they had evidence and told her the evidence had to be destroyed for whatever reason. So Ortiz filed a wrongful termination suit after she was let go. And they ordered the California jury, of course, ordered that this restaurant, that uh, Chipotle, pay Ortiz $7.97 million in damages. So the jury ruled that Ortiz was a victim of a scheme to defame her for filing workers' compensation claim for a job-related wrist injury caused by carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, this is pretty crazy, uh, really, when you start digging into this story. And honestly, the more I think about this, I'm starting to side with the... Uh, I don't know if I'm siding with the sum of money that she was awarded. In fact, I think that's way too much money for damages. But I'm starting to think that something uh, might have been going on here with the uh, the management trying to get rid of this employee. I mean, if you have the video, I mean, I'm assuming they didn't produce the video because they would have probably won this case. So I don't know. What, what well, do you think about there's, this? There's part? a couple layers here because from the libertarian angle, we would say, well, yeah, they have the right to terminate whoever they want. You know, they should they should have the right to disassociate with this person for any reason. But uh, now if I guess a lot of it is going to come down to which we don't really know and can't really know if she really stole this money. Uh, if she really stole the, the money out of the cash register, uh, if she did, I don't see why they wouldn't have the video or why the video would have been destroyed, especially when they claim that the theft was caught on camera. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, if she really stole it, they have every right to fire her. And, and really, from the libertarian aspect, they have every right to fire her for whatever reason. However, if if she didn't steal it and they are making this up and they th- then this does obviously hurt her, um, hurt her name, uh, hurt her reputation, uh, hurt her life. And 
and I, I, you know, if they're if they're, it's essentially fraud. You know, it's 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 they're defrauding her by by acting like the reason is because she stole money. So that's very difficult. I, I think the the claim stands out as as seeming absurd, um, no matter even if it's true um, to me. But uh, maybe they have just determined that you know she suffered that much damage and it was their fault. So. I don't know. <laughs> is there a libertarian answer? I'm not sure there always is in this in this situation because a lot of it again comes down to things we don't know. Like, did she really steal the money, um, and were they really lying, and that sort of thing? But I, I don't know. I mean, is 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 firing somebody for a made up reason that you wanted to fire because you had to make make up a reason? Is that necessarily wrong in the libertarian sense? Is it still just Chipotle practicing freedom of association? I'm just posing these hypotheticals. I, I'm working them out live <laughs> right now with you. Well, I mean, I, the thing that I, I keep focusing on looking at this is the eight million dollars. It just seems crazy. It's 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 so crazy. I mean, it's it's, it's almost so far it's above six hundred and twenty six dollars. It's almost like that they they uh, concluded that the damages were so bad. That this woman should never work again. Her children should never have to work again. Her children's children should never have to work again. I mean, I don't know if eight million goes that far. I mean, they could live a decent life for sure. If, on she, that. if she invests it properly yeah. in uh, some mutual funds, I don't know. Some mutual funds, maybe some cryptocurrency. I don't know. Maybe a little bit of gold. <laughs> maybe buy some real estate, some of that cheap California real estate, Northern California. On the uh, maybe East, we should reach out her and get her invest uh, in Lions of Liberty. Let's talk good about her the rest of this episode. Janine, we're totally on your side. Or Jeanette, sorry, I probably shouldn't say your name wrong if I want you to invest uh, on our Patreon. But uh, yeah, Jeanette, if you did not steal that money, I think you were you were screwed over. So like to come over you. to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. To get you to join we'll at new, our new, our new $100,000 a month level on Patreon. Yeah. We will have some great perks there. We have not figured them out yet, but by, by the time we finish the show, we'll have it all sorted out. Oh man, so we're we're running out of time here, but I got one more that I know that you're going to want to talk about because it's just so freaking crazy. This is out of Illinois. So there's police officials in Illinois who are claiming with a straight face, I assume they're doing this with a straight face, not just laughing when they say it, that if marijuana is legalized, then they're going to have to kill all of the drug sniffing dogs. Because it costs so much money to train those dogs to do that task of sniffing for drugs, and it will cost so much more to untrain them. And uh, and maybe you know you you know more about training dogs than I do, so maybe you can comment on that perspective. They th- say we so much to train them to do something else or just to be normal pets that they just have to kill them. So what what gives here? Is this is this possible from your extensive knowledge of uh, owning two dogs? Well, unless they were trained to kill people if they're not sniffing for drugs, I don't see why you'd have to kill the dogs. <laughs> I don't see why they couldn't find homes where they're just not sniffing at cars for drugs. I assume during the day. Now, maybe the dogs do would need some kind of, I don't know, different training to live with humans. like Or maybe the humans that take them in would have to know, hey, this command means the dog attacks or something. Like, I mean, there's probably not zero issues with it. Uh, I, I guess there's probably some legitimacy to saying the dogs have been trained a certain way. Um, but maybe they just live with retired police officers then. There are or retired veterans or 
whatever. There are many, many ways to deal with the quote-unquote problem of dogs not having enough drugs to sniff for that are illegal than killing the dogs. Uh, this just seems like a scare tactic to uh, for people to hold on to the last vestiges of the war on drugs, which provides so many quote-unquote jobs and quote-unquote careers for not only these police officers, but prosecutors, judges, prison guards, all of these people along the way, many of which will justifiably be losing their jobs in the many decades as we end this war on drugs, which we are going to do one way or another. It's one of the main motivations that you and I do what we do. It is ending. It is going to end. More and more people are becoming awake to this. And sorry, some people are going to lose their jobs, and we don't need to kill dogs uh, along the way. Uh, I will offer to take in a one of these German shepherds and learn the commands that, uh, whatever, if I have to, if that's what it comes down to. I will, I will start the organization that takes in these dogs if I have to before I before they're allowed to start killing these dogs. I don't think they'll do it because the public outcry would I think would be so justifiably outrageous if they just started killing these dogs because they had that. no drugs to sit for. So I think it's an empty, nonsensical threat ultimately. But uh, obviously, there are many solutions, many solutions outside of killing the drug sniffing dogs. Yeah, I mean, from what I, from what I understand. Normally, when a drug-sniffing dog is retired, there's a police officer that, you know, they, they become their dog. They take them home. Or like you said, a, a veteran. But normally, the, the, the police officer has the dog on, on duty with them all the time. They build a relationship with the dog, and they, the dog becomes theirs after they retire the dog. The dog, the dog gets Yeah, why old. wouldn't they just want to keep the dog as their pet, maybe? You yeah. Know, what, especially if you've worked with this dog for so long. It's crazy, and I just wonder... and. You know, I wonder, but I know it's definitely true that there's people out there who read this article and said, oh, my God, well, we can't legalize marijuana. They're going to kill all these dogs. Are there? You think there are real people that thought that? Yeah, they're definitely. There's got to be somebody. I'm just wondering, like, what percentage of is it like 5 percent or is it like what you're doing? You're advocating to end. (laughs) Yeah. My dad's going to call me up. Hey, maybe we got to rethink this legalization thing. (laughs) I love dogs. Don't let them die. Oh man! Yeah, if we if we don't throw humans in cages, the dog's got to die. It's it's one of the most ridiculous arguments for the war on drugs. It might be the literal most ridiculous argument for continuing the war on drugs I've ever seen. Well, it shows they're getting desperate. I mean, if this doesn't yeah. show they're getting desperate, then I don't know what does because this is yeah, Absolutely. it's it's freaking crazy. And so, if you had to guess, how many years until I know it's sort of a tricky question, but how many years until marijuana is at least legal or decriminalized? Or at least the state has the option to make it legal or decriminalized um, in, in the United States. So really, how long until at the federal level, feds step back and say, states, do what you want with marijuana? Um, I mean, the optimistic side of me thinks it could happen during this Trump administration. Uh, he's already basically backed off and, and ba- made an agreement, um, much, against, much to Jeff Sessions' chagrin, chagrin is the word, uh, to basically allow the states to do whatever they want. And that, that is step one, um, to, to have the government hands off. Now, they need to change some things in terms of the DA, DEA and the, the classification. But the fact that Trump has basically 100% come out and said, we're not doing anything with this, I don't care what Jeff Sessions wants, um, really 
it's just up to Congress to change the laws at this point. And there's been a lot of support for that. Um, several senators, uh, between ranging from Rand Paul to Bernie Sanders, have proposed such a solution um, to to legalize it federally. Now, there still are, are probably states that will try to cling on to uh, you know making things illegal in various ways. Uh, even the states where they're legalizing, they have you know it's sort of illegal in the sense of it's so highly regulated uh, that it's illegal for many people to grow in certain amounts. But generally, um, I, there's no doubt it's trending in that direction. There are obviously many vested interests from the pharmaceutical industries to the tobacco industries to the alcohol industries to the Mexican drug cartel industries that are all opposed to this uh, for their own purposes. Uh, but I, I really think the tide's turning. If it doesn't happen under Trump, I would say it will happen either under Trump, his first, or hold your ears up, crazy progressives, his first or second term, oh, no. or or not long after that. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is honestly that related to the president, uh, who the president is, because, because I think the public tide is is turning so strongly uh, towards legalization that it's just a matter of time. So I, if not under Trump, then I would say under Trump or the next president. So why don't we say, you know, 10, 12 years? I think, yeah, I, I think it, I guess I'm leaning more towards it's going to be under Trump and it will be, Soon. I think it might be within the next two years before Trump's second term, because I'm pretty sure the the Democrats are going to put forward a candidate who is going to have getting the federal government out of marijuana. It is going to change. And Trump can essentially take that away from that that candidate. And and Trump will. If that's the case, Trump will take that away. I can almost guarantee it because that could beat him. Just that one issue alone could you could definitely lose just on that. Well, imagine if Trump is the guy who who ended up getting a peace agreement in North Korea and legalizing marijuana while the economy doesn't if the if that happens and the economy doesn't crash, I mean he's unbeatable. Yeah. I mean, it would be the greatest turnaround ever from Hitler to uh <laughs> To, to something, to something nobody ever imagined. Yeah, that's, we're that's not track, to say that, that Trump doesn't do terrible things, which you talk about all the time on some other shows we have, like Libertarians and Living Rooms Drinking Liquor, which, and I think we can announce this. Um, sure, we can announce we it. We are doing a, uh, I'll let you announce it, since uh, you'll be the one hosting Well, it. we... As a lot of you guys know, we have a lot of uh, things planned here over the next few months. We're going to Porkfest. We're going to do coverage from there. We're going to the Libertarian National uh, Convention. I just hosted a LNC chair debate, which will air this Monday, uh, between Nicholas Sarwark, Joshua Smith... Nicholas Sarwark, sorry. He, he corrected me on his name pronunciation on, uh, just before that show. Uh, and Alicia Dern. And uh, that's going to air Monday. And, uh, you know, we have, I, just, I just have a lot on the schedules and on my personal schedule as well. So we're not going to be able to do our normal Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor this month. We just have too much on the schedule. But we are planning to get together when we have time to do a bonus Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor, which will be available only to our Patreon supporters. It'll be the first time we've done this exclusively for our supporters, for members of the Lions of Liberty Pride. Uh, similarly, you can hear that debate that I just mentioned right now if you support us on Patreon. So many, many reasons to go over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Early access to a lot of shows, as well as uh, getting many bonus shows that you simply won't hear any other way. You do all the plug-in. I don't have to do anything. I just wrap up the show. So thank That's you guys so much for listening. And thank you, Mark, for for coming on the show last minute here and, and saving my ass. Uh, I think it turned into a pretty damn good show, if I don't say so myself. I had fun. So thank you guys for listening. Please, as Mark said, if you enjoy this stuff, if you enjoy Mark's show, if you enjoy Electric Liberty Land, please support us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. At least toss us five bucks a month. But if you really love us, if you really love us, 
please think about joining for 25 and really coming and getting to know us and doing that monthly conference call with us. We'll, we'd love to. We have a lot of fun on that. Yeah, we definitely do. We definitely do. And uh, we're going to have to split it up into probably two and eventually three conference calls a month. So. All right. Well, this is John Odermatt signing off and Mark Claire signing off also. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is the liberty burning.